Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent to own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The Volume. Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel. The NBA is back, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. This is my favorite sports betting app that is out there. It is safe and easy to use, easy to get your money in and out. I love that cash-out feature, so if you're in good shape with one of your bets and you don't want to risk garbage time, you can get your money out quickly. Use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this NBA season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. Going to keep it nice and simple tonight. 
We're going to talk about that incredible basketball game between the Dallas Mavericks and the Golden State Warriors. And then the Los Angeles Lakers had another wild collapse last night. I have a lot to talk about there, particularly as it pertains to LeBron James, who had a pretty, uh, a pretty embarrassingly bad fourth quarter in that game. I'm going to talk a little Indiana Pacers after that, too. And then the last chunk of the show, Carl Anthony Towns suffered a, a calf injury that's going to keep him out for at least a month, probably closer to two. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into some of Minnesota's struggles and what they've looked like without Carl Towns on the floor this year and just kind of talk about how they can best float over the course of the next couple of months without one of their stars. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. I'm also going to be referencing, particularly on the LeBron front, a that kind of demonstrates some of the, uh, the issues that I had with his play last night. So you're going to want to follow me there. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. And I'm going to break, I, I shouldn't say break, but I'm go, I usually have a rule that we don't talk about refs. And um, I'm not breaking the rule, so to speak, because I'm not going to talk about it as it pertains to any team or, or uh, outcome tonight. However, it really annoyed me the incessant need for the refs tonight to step in and stop the flow of this game with really nitpicky calls. Now, I understand that, generally speaking, uh, the refs have a process. Early in the season, they have what's called points of emphasis. Every year, it's something different. And usually, during the early chunks of the season, they are really on top of those specific calls. And then always, over the course of every year, they fade away back into the background and things kind of fall back to normal NBA officiating. <clears throat> Peaking with the postseason, where for the most part, they swallow their whistles and let both teams pay uh, play, which for the record, I'm pretty sure is the way all of us want the game to be. We want uh, the basketball to be decided by the players and not by the officials. And this stuff with the traveling, like, you know, here, here's the thing with traveling. There is a travel or a carry on just about every single possession of NBA basketball. That's the same for the college level. It's the same for the high school level. It's the same when you guys go up and you play pickup games, right? But what's the general rule that you guys play by when you're playing pickup games? Like, if it's not egregious, you're not calling it. If it's not a blatant attendant advantage by cheating, you're not going to call it, right? Because you went up to the gym to play basketball and you're trying to work on your game. And it, it was so annoying tonight to see like Luka Doncic doing a normal driving gather dribble kick out to the corner and you're calling a travel that was iffy at best. And even when you slow it down at, you know, at, at you know, uh, at an extremely slow speed, you don't see anything definitive and the ref blows the whistle or on that last play with Steph, when it's 115-113, he does a step back. He does a jump stop where he lands both feet at the same time, which technically means you can establish either foot as your pivot foot. He picks up his left foot twice. I get it looks a little awkward, but it certainly wasn't blatant. And what it did was it ruined a cool possession at the end of a very entertaining basketball game. And it robbed Steph of his chance to, to 
take a shot that could have given the Warriors the lead. And just in general, throughout this entire game, the the the, the carries, the travels, the the nitpicky officiating kind of ruined the flow. And I'm glad the uh, uh, the the crew for TNT was calling it out because it was really taking away from what was a really entertaining basketball game. The shot making from both teams was insane. That was one of Luca's best games of the season. Steph continues to play like he might be the best player in the world. You had big, uh, big player, uh, big, uh, big games from bench players for the Warriors. Big games for specific players on the Mavericks. It was a highly entertaining basketball game that kind of had a little bit of a funky feel thanks to the officiating. So uh, obviously, we do, probably don't have many refs that listen to the show, but we're we're to the wise. We're there to play basketball. We're there to watch basketball. We're there to enjoy the basketball. We're not there to, to enjoy you. So maybe step back a little bit, and if it's not egregious, maybe hang on to that whistle. Um, so Dallas, you know, I, it's funny because the their this season has been disappointing for them, obviously. They're below 500. And after making it within three wins, you're hoping for, you know, better than what they've done so far this year. But as is kind of a, a common theme uh, from NBA Twitter and, and NBA circles, NBA fan bases, NBA talk and the media as well. Every time there's a player that we don't like for whatever reason, we kind of hone in on on team issues and target the player as the the object of our criticism, right? And it's happened to Luca this year, something that I, I kind of saw coming, but this is a team that was constructed in a way that required three primary shot creators and a bunch of 3 and D role players. They lost one of their primary shot creators, and they didn't replace him. And so one of the things that's happened this season is they've been really good with Luka Doncic on the floor. They were amazing again tonight. Last night, or coming into tonight, they were about plus four points per 100 possessions with Luka on the floor, which is very good. And they were minus three per 100 possessions with Luka off the floor, which is pretty bad and enough to cause you some problems, especially in a completely jam-packed league where every night you're facing a pretty damn good opponent. And and it's funny because everybody's jumped on Luca, comparing him to James Harden and doing all of these things to try to denigrate him when the reality is is that the Luca lineups are playing and that are causing problems. And it's a shortcoming of the roster construction. Warrior starting lineup, we talked about this yesterday. That's the best lineup in the league by a mile. They're significantly better than the Bucks starting lineup. And the Bucks starting lineup is significantly better than everyone else. They are damn good. I think coming into tonight, they were plus 28 points per 100 possessions when they have Steph, Draymond, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Kevon Looney on the floor at the same time. That's how good that unit is. And to the starting lineup, which by the way is really good. If you're ranking the best lineups in the league that have played at least 100 minutes, Golden State's in first place, Milwaukee's in second place. Washington Wizards, believe it or not, when they are actually healthy and have all their guys, their starting lineup is the third best lineup in the league to play at least 100 minutes. Denver's fourth, Boston's fifth. The Dallas Mavericks are sixth. So even though the team in general has struggled, their lineup is the sixth best lineup in basketball right now. And so I hope, I you know, I hope people stop with the Harden comparisons. There's some similarities in the way they control possessions, but James Harden historically has flamed out every single postseason that he's been in. Okay. 
Luka Doncic is progressing at an outrageous rate in the postseason. The big difference between him and James Harden is shot variety. Luka Doncic is scoring in so many different ways that you can't sit on moves. And if you do, he'll beat you with a counter. And he's got so many different moves and counter moves at so many different spots on the floor that you don't progress in terms of him the way that you do with James Harden. Now, he's a young kid. He's into a, a veteran, experienced Golden State Warriors team with a guy that I think might be the best perimeter defender in basketball and Andrew Wiggins. And he had a rough series in the conference finals. And, and, and then he lost his second best player and now they're struggling and a lot of people have jumped on him. And I just don't think that's fair. The reality is, you know, with Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson's a good player. He's having a good season in, in New York. He's not the kind of guy you usually see as second player on a championship team. He's not Kyrie Irving on the 2016 Cavs. He's not Kevin Durant or Steph Curry on the Warriors or, or even a Draymond Green or a Klay Thompson. He's not that level of player. And so, so I think expectations a little bit. And I hope in general we to think a little bit fair when we're evaluating these stars, especially when they're as young as they are. And hopefully for Dallas' sake, hopefully Kemba Walker ends up becoming that guy. I thought it was an interesting gamble. It's a non-guaranteed contract. When he was at his peak, he was one of the best dribble penetrators and pull-up jump shooters in the league. So uh, he did that in a primary role when he was the focus of the scouting report and the focus of all the defensive attention. Now he's going to be doing it in what Spencer Dinwiddie's role was last year, which is primarily with bench units, primarily as the second creator on the floor. He's going to be facing better defensive matchups and less defensive attention. He has, you know, he has, if there's anything left in Kemba Walker's gas tank, we're going to find out in this Dallas situation. Uh, ironically, you know, tonight it, it was the Warriors bench groups that really handled Dallas. And that go, that kind of highlights that specific problem that I was talking about. Some of that is, is was Golden State staggering their starters, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But and just I hope in general, instead of focusing on Luka in this era of Mavericks basketball, we focus on the obvious roster limitations. Is he perfect? No, he had a really bad defensive start to the season, although he's been playing much better defense as of late. Does he take some bad shots at the end of games? Yes. Does his strangle-the-pace style sometimes lead to runs for the other team when when things get too stagnant? Yes, he's not a perfect player. I had him fourth best in the league, I think, or fifth best in the league coming into this season. Like, I don't think he's the same guy as Steph Curry or Giannis or any of those guys, but he's a damn good player, and he's certainly well ahead of schedule for his age, and I think that a lot of the criticism directed his way this year has been unfair. I wanted to shout out the defensive effort for Dallas because I was really impressed with them early in this game. Uh, and uh, uh, Early in the game, it was closeouts. The, um, the ferocity in which they would sprint and contest Warriors threes were causing them to rush shots and to feel uncomfortable on those shots, which was causing them to miss. And then in the late part of the game, it was a lot of deflections, kind of like getting a good anticipation to get ahead of where those classic Warriors reads are, right? Like the classic Warriors reads you're always seeing is like 
the guy does a good job chasing over the top of the screen. So Clay Thompson or Stafford Jordan Poole will curl around. And as you're curling around, the screen defender's there and the defender's bracketing behind. So there's two of you. And now you're passing it back to the screener. And now the screener's going into a dribble handoff into the next guy. And like you can kind of see the Warriors basketball progressing. And Dallas did a nice job, especially in that fourth quarter, of getting ahead of those reads and getting deflections. And there were several sequences where you're like, oh man, the ball's popping around. Golden State's in got them in the blender, and then nothing would come of it. And so, ironically, as as Dallas's offense has really struggled here over the course of the last month, their defense has carried them um, throughout this stretch and allowed them to stay competitive in these games. And I, I wanted to shout out uh, two guys in particular. First, Dwight Powell, who uh, you know Mavericks fans will tell you is one of their worst defending bigs in the past. But I actually think he's become a really solid backline defender for them, and, and he did a really nice job defending around the rim tonight. And uh, the other guy I wanted to shout out was Josh Green. And if you guys remember, Josh Green came through the University of Arizona, so he came through Tucson, so I had a little bit of experience watching him in college. And and uh, uh, he was really it, it was missing a lot of polish at, at that specific phase in his career, but you knew he was a great athlete. And he's the type of wing that's not the tallest wing in the world, but he's very strong. And he's outstanding with his quickness and his athleticism. Um, but if you guys remember last year in the playoffs, there was kind of like, you know, th they were expecting this particular role to be filled by Tim Hardaway Jr. last year, but he ended up having foot issues. And so there was this one rotation spot, which was like bench three and D wing, where they didn't know which direction to go. And they tried some Frank Nilakina and they tried some Josh Green. And it didn't really work either way because Josh wasn't shooting well. Frank wasn't shooting well. Both of them were defending fine, but they weren't doing enough on the offensive end for those minutes to be really impactful. And so it's kind of really impressive over one offseason for Josh Green to have made the improvements that he's made as a shooter. And I thought he made the biggest three of this game, which was on a ridiculous sidearm hook pass from Luka Doncic to him in the left corner. He made a very slight relocation, just slightly up from the corner. I think it was Clay Thompson that was closing out, and Clay closed as if he was going to be in the deep corner, and Josh made a slight relocation up the floor a little bit, and he had a little window where he was open and knocked down a shot. It's just a testament to his work ethic. You know, jump shooting and handling, the improvements are so little by little. Like, you've got to do, you have to, it's thousands and thousands of reps to go from being a 37% shooter to a 38% shooter, and then another thousand thousands of reps to get to a 39% shooter. And so you just can tell that he put in a ton of work this offseason. So a lot of credit to him. Uh, moving on to the Warriors, the uh the starters, again, you know, it's funny. This has been, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go too negative on the Warriors tonight because the truth of the matter is is they've been one of the best teams in basketball over the course of the last, you know, three weeks or so. Um, and the specific part of the game where they failed tonight is a part of the game that they've succeeded all season, which is their starting lineup, and also was a lineup that gave the Mavericks a ton of problems last year in the postseason. So I think when push comes to shove, you kind of throw that out as an anomaly. So there's a lot more encouraging stuff when you get deeper into the rotation. But at, at, on the with the starters, the guy that seemed to be out of it for me on both ends was Clay Thompson. He had some good on-ball defensive possessions, particularly on Luka, but he was getting lost in rotation a lot and, and, just, and just generally looked like the guy that was kind of floating through the game versus being really engaged. But, you know, early in the season, uh, uh, Steve Kerr was going with these, like, line shifts. So he would 
have the starters in and then it'd be like all five would come out and in would come, you know, Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses, whoever it was. And those bench lineups were getting destroyed. And if you remember, one of the things that I kept advocating for was just staggering the lineups a little bit better. And they actually did that uh, starting, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And it was part of uh, part of the line of thinking that turned this season around. And particularly, you know, there was a nice stretch there to end the first quarter. And Dante DiVincenzo and Andrew Wiggins, where they made some plays to keep the game regular. Uh, in the second quarter, um, I was really impressed with Draymond Green and Jonathan Kaminga. Draymond Green, obviously, is having an all-NBA-level season, although he had a pretty rough offensive fourth quarter. A couple of plays. where There was one where he had a three in the, the right corner where I thought he should have taken it, and instead he tried to drive and kick to Steph and ended up turning it over, which led to Luka, I think, shooting that pull-up three in transition. Um, but so he had a little bit of a rough fourth quarter, but for the most, the most part of the season, he's been excellent and putting him with that second unit that's starting the second quarters is leading to a lot of success, but shout out to Jonathan Kaminga because Moses Moody for the most part has fallen out of the rotation and James Wiseman is literally in the G league and coming into this season, Jonathan Kaminga was the player that I was actually least high on, not in terms of long-term potential, but in terms of ability to impact this particular season. And the the main reason why I thought that um, was his offensive decision making was so erratic that I didn't think you could trust him in the Warriors system to make the right decisions. But I always said he was the best defensive wing that they had. And, you know, what's funny is he still had some sloppy possessions tonight when he tried to do something with the basketball, like in terms of isolation post-ups or over dribbling or things along those lines. But when he was in the dunker spot, and when he was just trying to make plays, crashing the offensive glass, he was fine on the offensive end. And it was enough to be functional in that role. And there's a way that they can do it to run their sets on the opposite side of the floor, which naturally slots Jonathan Kaminga in that weak side corner so that he can be the guy that kind of cuts to the rim as they're running that action. I thought that was smart. And then he was excellent defensively tonight, both uh, grabbing contested defensive rebounds, on-ball defense on Luka, he did a really nice job. And so that's got to be encouraging to see. And that Draymond Kaminga lineup had a lot of success tonight. That's got to be encouraging for Warriors fans because you were begging for somebody to kind of rise from that pack. And Jonathan Kaminga is playing some pretty solid basketball right now. I thought Dante DiVincenzo had some stretches of really good ball pressure that um, that threw Dallas out of whack. And then Anthony Lamb knocked down some big shots. He's starting to look like one of the more like like higher floor, low ceiling players that they can go to off the bench. And then Steph. You know, he had a rough start. He missed some open looks. He had a sloppy turnover on like a swing pass, but then he settled down and played like an MVP again. He's playing a level of basketball that very few players that I've ever seen have ever reached. And uh, when we do our player rankings on Thursday, I haven't decided yet. And obviously there's still some basketball left, uh, but I'm strongly considering putting him at the top of that list because Giannis has had a, a couple of bad games recently and Steph is just playing some of the best basketball that I've ever seen. And, and you know, it's the combination now of the strength and rim finishing that has added an element to his game. It, it, that in combination with just his overall, like, command of the game as he's grown older and more experienced and confident that, uh, that has turned him into, uh, I think, a much better player than even he was in 2016. Uh, but it really bothered me because, like, I thought in a in a – back and forth, highly entertaining shot-making contest. It really bothered me that the refs stepped in and took away his opportunity to uh, make a play to take that game away. 
in what I thought was a uh, questionable call at best on that on that travel call. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at errands. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, errands has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com for more details. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too with thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. All right, let's move on to the Lakers and LeBron. So they were up 17 last night with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter and uh, ended up blowing it on a wild sequence where uh, the Pacers were down by two with one possession left and uh, Dennis Schroeder committed a, a... pointless foul along the right wing that led to a sideline out of bounds that allowed Rick Carlisle to drop a play. And when he drew up the play, Miles Turner got a wide open three at the top of the key that he missed because the Lakers missed a bunch of defensive rebounds in that fourth quarter. And next thing you know, uh, Tyrese Halliburton starts kind of dribbling along the right wing. And uh, you could literally hear on the Pacers broadcast, the Pacers announcers like going, oh no, he took too long. And you're thinking that too. You're like, there's like a, a second, you know, one and a half seconds on the shot clock. LeBron abandons, uh, I'm forgetting, of course, I'm blanking on the the young player's name for the Pacers, but LeBron uh, abandoned his his matchup to kind of help in the paint because he didn't think Tyrese Halliburton had enough time to make the pass. And Tyrese got the ball back into his left hand. He's a right-handed player. 
and just rifled a left-handed pass to the shooter on the left wing and knocked it down at the buzzer. But it was a classic like uh, uh, like basketball gods type of, of moment because I'm a big believer that those kinds of things tend to go the way of the team that's playing more respectable basketball. Now, there's absolutely no proof to that. As a matter of fact, as the usually I'm a skeptic and I would think that's ridiculous. But hey, for the sake of my love of the game of basketball, I'm going to pretend like that kind of stuff matters. But when they were up 17, the Lakers played really good basketball last night, all the way up through that nine minute mark of the fourth quarter. Like damn good basketball. They had won five out of six games. They're coming up on um, a, a really tough December. They've got some real momentum and they just quit. They quit playing on both ends of the floor, specifically on uh, on the boards, defensive boards, grabbing contested defensive rebounds. And then also in transition defense, which are Two things that Anthony Davis came out and was pretty um, passionate about in his postgame presser. And then on the offensive end of the floor is about pace. You know, this Lakers team is at their best offensively when they bring the ball up quickly and try to get quick rim pressure that gets the defense into rotation so they can play off that advantage. They're just so bad shooting the basketball that if they play a half-court game, when they get stuck in those half-court environments, everyone's sagging into the paint. And you've got guys like Russ and LeBron and Dennis Schroeder and Anthony Davis who rely on rim pressure. And in set uh, half-court set environments, it's just really tough for them to get that dribble penetration that they need. And, you know, I thought it really started with LeBron. And, uh, I, I, you know, I I did a video on this, and you can find it on my Twitter feed at underscore JasonLT, where I broke down specifically what I was talking about. But basically, from the moment that the Lakers were up 17 with nine minutes left, over the next two minutes, the Lakers gave up a 10-0 run that turned it from a 17-point game to a 7-point game. But not only that, at that point, the Pacers had all the momentum, were playing with ridiculous energy, and the Lakers' engine was off. And it's really hard to restart that engine after you shut it off the way that you did. And the guy who was almost single-handedly responsible for that 10-0 run for the Pacers was LeBron James. So on the first possession, he's guarding Aaron Neesmith on the left wing. And um, the, uh, uh, the Pacers run like a double screen with a dribble handoff at the end. And LeBron just literally concedes the three to Aaron Neesmith. Not only dies on the screen, makes absolutely no attempt to fight over it, doesn't signal or talk to any Laker to switch. He just walks into the screen and concedes the three to Aaron Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith is a professional basketball player. If you give him a wide open shot, he's probably going to make it. And he did. And then next possession, LeBron's got the ball on offense. He's posting up against TJ McConnell on the on the right block. Okay. There's 16 seconds on the shot clock. Now, Pacers are packing the paint, but LeBron could have gotten to one of his more traditional two-foot fadeaways or maybe tried to back him down towards the baseline where there was left help to try to take a hook shot. Instead, he takes a ridiculous... So he's posting up on TJ McConnell on the right block, and there's 16 seconds on the shot clock. And instead of trying to work for something a little bit better, LeBron just kind of throws up a throwaway shot, like a one-leg fadeaway, which the one-leg fadeaway is probably the toughest pull-up jump shot that any player can take, mainly because, you know, for the guys who made it really successful, guys like uh, Dirk Nowitzki and Kevin Durant, they're so damn tall that they don't really need to fade all that much. So their one-legged fadeaway is more of a footwork thing that gets them a little tiny bit of separation, but they're mostly going straight up and down. But for almost every other player, especially guys like Russ and LeBron, who both took one-leg fadeaways at the end of that game, for those for those guys, those one-legged fadeaways are you have to really fall backwards and, and you're giving up your entire base and you're losing all of that momentum 
and uh, and he ended up missing that shot. But so so he misses the 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 one like fadeaway against T.J. McConnell, and then I, I I shit you not, the entire play is progressing down the other way. There's a little bit of a scrum, but the Pacers have control over the basketball, and LeBron doesn't just not run back on defense. He runs the other way. He was literally backing away towards the right corner on the opposite end of the floor. And uh, Benedict Matherin ended up getting a layup. I'm literally watching it. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then uh, two possessions later, he's doing a similar thing. He's posting up Aaron Neesmith on the left block. Benedict Matherin comes over and double teams him. And instead of making the kickout pass to Troy Brown Jr., who was wide open on the left wing, he takes a one-leg fadeaway, misses it. Aaron Neesmith is right next to him. Aaron Neesmith was guarding him. Everyone goes down in transition. Everyone's matched up. Austin Reeves is guarding Ty- Tyrese Halliburton on the ball. Dennis Schroeder is matched up on one wing. Troy Brown Jr. is matched up on the other wing. Wenyan Gabriel is matched up on, uh, on the center. I think it was Jalen Smith at that point. And LeBron's matched up on Aaron Neesmith. And he's just aimlessly jogging back. Aaron Neesmith is relocating over to the left side of the floor. LeBron is on the right side of the floor, just not even paying attention. Next thing you know, there's a quick screen. LeBron doesn't see it nearly in time. Aaron Neesmith gets another wide open three. And guess what happens? It goes in partially because he got his rhythm on a wide open three that LeBron conceded to him a couple possessions prior. Now, all of a sudden, that 17-point lead is a seven-point lead. Not only that, Indiana has all the momentum. Everything's going their way. And now you're trying to regain momentum in a game where the Pacers are playing with a a lot of fire. And then down the stretch, it could have gone either way. Like the Pacers came out with this like kind of half-court pressure that forced a couple of turnovers and rushed the Lakers out of their offense. And, you know, some of it's shot making. LeBron had a wide open catch and shoot three at one point that he missed. He had a wide open pull up jumper along the right baseline at one point that he missed. There was a lot of stuff that just didn't go the Lakers way. But again, it, I, it's it call it basketball gods, call it karma, call it just, you know, momentum, call it whatever you want to call it. At that point, the Pacers were going to get those breaks and they did. And they made the, the key plays to win that game. Now, as we're talking about LeBron, his struggles are expected. You know, I said this when he when he came back against the Spurs. I thought that he would. I thought he would. Uh, um, you know, knock down some three point shots because he had an opportunity to work on his three point shot during the injury. Um, uh, but I, I knew I knew his legs weren't underneath him. His handle isn't as sharp as it could be. His pull up jumper is not as sharp as it could be. Because he's played three basketball games in the last twenty days. He's played three NBA basketball games in 20 days. So at the end of the day, like, like you're not expecting him to come out and play great right away, but he needs to identify that and understand that at this particular point in time, he doesn't have it. And he might need to lean on his other skills that are not dependent on his rhythm and his conditioning and his leg strength. So for instance, LeBron is one of the best decision makers in the history of basketball. That doesn't depend on his rhythm or his conditioning or anything like that. That's just paying attention to what's happening. And then little things like not jogging back in transition defense or not even making an attempt to chase a shooter over the top of a screen, that's stuff that's completely under your control. Not only that, you are the leader, the best player in the leader on a team that is 7-11, has a ravenous fan base, and title expectations. You're supposed to be the one guy they can count on. And you let go of the rope 
in some of the details of the game in a pivotal game, a winnable game against the Pacers, and you blew a, a 17-point lead down to seven, and you ended up it ended up costing you at the end of the day. And so, and it's one of those things where you know, you know, when I talked a lot about this with Russ, undercutting your success with sloppy mistakes or laziness. The thing is, is Russ has always done that stuff. And in the past, he was so damn good as a nuclear athlete that the scale was so heavily in his favor. And it's the same kind of thing with LeBron. LeBron's had bad stretches of transition defense ever since he went to Cleveland. LeBron has had stretches of poor decision-making as he takes bad shots and, and plays with poor pace ever since he went to Cleveland. The difference is, is from 2015 to 2021, and even a little bit last year, he was one of the five best players in the world. And so he did so much good that you didn't hyper-focus on that stuff. This season, LeBron has not played like a top 10 player. And so all of a sudden, those mistakes, they're not undercutting dominant nights. They're undercutting only okay nights. And now all of a sudden, that scale starting to tip into the negative for him. You know... It, you know, it's just in this, I think that as he gets more games under his belt, he will play better. My big thing is I don't think LeBron has declined. I think he's been injured so much that he can't find his rhythm. I think if he can stay on the court for a month, he'll get it back. I was, I, the, I was talking um, to some Laker fans this morning about this specifically, and my target number is 15 games. I want to see LeBron get 15 games in a row. Last time he played 15 games in a row was last year. He played 25 in a row. Over the last 17 games in that stretch, he averaged 33 points, nine rebounds, and six assists on 54% shooting. I think it's still in there. But the question is, can he stay healthy long enough for him to get to that point? And I don't know. We're going to find out. But in the meantime, if he, if he knows deep down that he doesn't have that top-tier shot making that he doesn't have his pull-up jump shot where it needs to be. He needs to lean on his decision-making and his basketball IQ and his ability to make plays as an athlete on the defensive end and on the offensive end of the floor. Maybe work a little bit more out of face-up. Maybe work a little bit more out of the post and force-feed Anthony Davis as much as possible and lean on him to carry you during those stretches of the game. Um, everything depends on him being great. He needs time to get there. So in the meantime, he just needs to play smarter and more disciplined basketball. All right, guys. I uh, I really appreciate all of you for sticking around. I apologize for the technical difficulties. I'm not sure what's going on. We will try to figure that out. We were going to get to the Pacers and we were going to get to the Timberwolves, uh, but we'll figure out a different way to get that to you guys. We're going to wrap it right now. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support and I will see you guys next time.
Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent to own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed, and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.